1600 KIVA, 93.7 FM, the web, the app, rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Glad to be here with you for another installment here of Albuquerque Real Estate Talk with Tigo and Tracy Venturi, the Venturi Real Estate Group from Keller Williams Realty. You can pick up the phone and dial them directly. They're fast, they're friendly, 448-8888. That's 448-8888. Or you can find them online 24-7, 2 in the morning. Right? Not Jake from State Farm, but Tigo and Tracy. WelcomeHomeABQ.com. That's WelcomeHomeABQ.com. Trust me, Tigo, you're laughing about that. Uh, no, like, I, I got it. I totally got it, Jake. <laughs> like you're obsessing about that house, right, Tracy? And you, yeah. can't, you can't stop thinking about that house like, oh, my gosh, I hope that house is still there. And there, and there you are feverishly looking at it, planning yeah. everything out at uh, 2 in the morning. That's the passion that is real estate. And uh, I don't know if there's been a more passionate time than right now. Uh, folks, I want to reiterate uh, once again, like I have during my weekday show, when you have Tigo and Tracy's name stamped, I've been a product of that. Many other people and my friends and associates, when you have Tigo and Tracy's name associated with that uh, that uh, offer, or certainly when you're when you're representing them, they know that you're represented by the very best in the, here in the state of New Mexico, and it helps uh, get that transaction uh, through the finish line. And all you have to do is uh, pick up the phone, dial them four four eight eighty eight eighty eight, or welcomehomeabq.com. That's welcomehomeabq.com. And this edition of Tigo and Tracy's wonderful show, spotlight on the four far northeast heights uh, and foothills uh, area. Uh, whether or not you should dip into your investment retirement account, the IRA, to buy a first home, should you do it, uh, they'll let you know. Home buyers, second homes, or investment homes, and partial ownership. Speaking about uh, all that, Tigo and Tracy uh, dabble in a little bit of all of that. And then we'll talk about housing and home builder stocks. Zillow, DR Horton, Pulte. And, of course, our homes of the week and our featured open houses. Tico, Tracy, take it away. Thanks, Thanks Eddie. Eddie. It's uh, always good to be here. So, so many topics. I was listening to Eddie going, oh, my gosh, how are we going to get to Yeah, I know. we right? got a, we got a lot to cover here. I'm sitting here looking at some of these uh, stats on the far northeast heights. It's pretty pretty impressive what's been going on in the real estate market in Albuquerque, for sure, Tracy. I mean, we we know it. You know, we you and I just... Um, we had a call with a group of real estate agents from around the country, a bunch of big other top agents just talking about what's going on in, in their markets. And, and this is not an Albuquerque thing. This is a nationwide thing. That the, oh, absolutely. The housing market is is just booming on fire, whatever you want to call it, in, in just about every part of the country. And, I mean, there's a few small cases. And, unfortunately, they're New York and San Francisco where all the reporters are, and they talk. When they put news stories about real estate, they always talk about, you know, New York and San Francisco, which are such a tiny we're, portion. We're right here in the middle. So it was interesting. We weren't really, this wasn't on the list, so I don't know how we're going to fit it in. Okay, okay, but we just got off a Zoom with yeah. agents from around the country, very, you know, top agents. And um, it was interesting because it was, the question was, how's the election going to impact the housing market? Well, and yeah, and more specifically, how's it going to r- affect our our businesses, real estate brokerages in particular, right? right? And, and and the consensus. So we have uh, Vanessa Pollock, who's in northern New Jersey, yep. basically New York City, yep. and um, she's saying saying just like the rest of us, we really don't think the election's going to make any difference because we still have not enough homes on the market and low interest re- rates for. A long time to come. I've got a stat for that. I'm sure you do. I've got a stat for that. So Fannie, um, no, not Fannie, Freddie. 
Freddie Mac, they put out their uh, quarterly forecast. They put one out every every quarter. It's and funny the, name, way, the way you talk about <laughs> Freddie and Fanny and like they're your good friends. My good friend Freddie. So Freddie Mac is one of the you know large uh, uh, you underwriting know, underwriting you know funds of money um, that, that that underwrite mortgages. And so they um, they put out their twenty forecast and also their twenty one. Forecast. So 2020 and 2021 forecast. So they're just getting their 2020 well, forecast. Well, no, I out? mean they're you know they got to do the rest. I mean we still have you know okay. a few months to go here. So they're saying uh, interest rates are going to end up somewhere around 3.2 percent this year, which obviously we're already there, right? The the, the bigger deal is into 21. They're predicting 3 percent interest rates all the way through 2021. Wow. And 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 they're not the only ones doing that. We're seeing that everywhere. Um, and you know the 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 real thing that drives those interest rates is the the ten year bond, not the Fed rate, which a lot of people talk about. Right. But the Fed rate is part of it, but really it's the ten year. Um, it, the the point is everybody's predicting um, interest rates to stay relatively low unless the economy just goes roaring off. They're gonna they're gonna rates will go up to kind of help slow things down. Right. But so the consensus was. No matter the outcome of the election, right? The real estate housing market is going to stay strong. That that's, so. That's, so for people who are thinking of buying or selling, you know, and we're wondering about the election and how it might impact them, probably not a lot of impact. No, no, not a so, lot of impact for sure. So, so Tigo Northeast, yeah, let's talk about the Northeast, right? Yeah, so, what, first off, Tracy, just for for since we're on the radio. What is considered the Northeast Heights, far Northeast Northeast Heights, um, foothills? So, so just talk about that geographically. Sure. So far Northeast Heights in our multiple listing service is a little bit different maybe than what we would think of. Foothills, I basically am talking from I-40 east of Tramway all the way north. Got it. And yep. then um, kind of... Roughly maybe Montgomery, Osuna, and mm-hmm. north. Mm-hmm. So kind of the farthest north and east areas of town. And, you know, I started getting this prepared for today's show, looking at just a few little neighborhoods like Tanawan, Primrose Point. Um, but then I just kind of went broader yeah. and just went through it all. And what was interesting is in those areas, we have 146 homes on the market right now. And I was surprised. I know we've got 2,000 some houses on the market, um, mm-hmm. or less, but I, uh, I, I was surprised. And the average sale price, and I know there's a huge mix in there because it ranges up to $2.8 million, is uh, $687,000. The lowest price in that area is 237000 So, what part is this? So, this is. Foothills specifically, or this is all what we consider oh, the far northeast heights. Yeah. To me, I just kind of went the whole yeah. area where yeah. we know the farther east and north, kind of from I twenty five to I forty, kind of that outer fringe. North. Yeah. Of got it. north and east. Sure. So. Okay. Um, and that that house, the cheapest in that area, has been on the market seven days. It's two hundred and thirty seven five hundred. Mm-hmm. And it's a two bedroom, two bath. 1,250 yeah. square feet for 237.5. So it's changed a lot. There's not much way up far north. Um, and 
uh, pendings. So homes that already have accepted contracts, there's over 150 of them. The average list price there was 456 or 466 when 466,000 when they went pending sale. So it's interesting because the average list price right now is 687 versus uh, 466. So there's a $200,000 disparity there. So you know, obviously those $2 million properties that are up in the far northeast heights and are skewing that number. Yeah, and we're seeing that across the board where obviously the, the homes, you know, if you look at the average list price versus the average sale price, very big difference, very big difference. Right. And, and, you know, some of the things that I've se- seen, Tracy, we've seen, let me just tell you what the, the change is over the last 12 months. So let me finish. Go so ahead. The house, houses that are in pending sale, yep. they were on the market an average of 23 days before getting an accepted contract. The ones that are currently on the market, they have been on for 61 days. Yep. So what, we're, what we know and what we talk about on the show all the time, Tigo, is the great houses are still selling quickly, typically with multiple offers, even in those higher prices. You know, I'm feeling a little... Um, Am I giving I, too many stats I, yeah, for you? Yeah, there's a little too many stats for my taste here. So I, I, uh, let me keep uh, going here. So let me tell you about <laughs> some of the highest priced homes that yes. are under contract right now. There you go. So we have a $2 million property with yep. 54 days on the market that's in pending sale right now. Mm-hmm. We have a $1.4 million property that was six mm-hmm. days on the market. Yep. Um, a 1.25, a 1.15. So, you it's know. like most of those are North Albuquerque acres. Is that correct? Look, 250 uh, Spring Creek. Yeah, there's some up. Yeah, oh, I know where that is. Yep. And so Sandia Heights, North Albuquerque acres. Inverness, so it's the. It's the, yeah. uh, it's the estate lots in High Desert. Yep, and so. Paramount is a infill on Elena. Kind of a beautiful home. So anyway, interesting. Um, days on market is double for those on the market still. And uh, the uh, price difference of those on the market versus the ones impending is an average sale price or an average list price by $200,000, even though we do have you know, some high-priced homes in pending sale right now. So, so what we see if we look at the, the average uh, sale price in that part of town, it's gone up about 5%. But if we look at the average price per square foot, it's gone up. Uh, I just had it and I lost it. Here I love it is. those stats. Yeah, I know. It's about uh, 6%. So we're, we're definitely seeing some price, which is interesting because we've seen even larger move, movement in price appreciation. Obviously, the, the low, not obviously, but the lower price point homes, we've seen much more appreciation. You know, I saw something that maybe were around 8%. Um, higher priced homes, maybe it's like two or three percent, but we're still seeing appreciation across the board in Albuquerque right now for homes. Yeah. So switching gears. Yes. Question. We ta- said we'd talk about this. The question of the week that we had was, if I want to buy a house, should I dip into my IRA uh, for part of the down payment? And interesting question. We're not um, accountants. Can I, can I define that? Are you saying IRA or 401k? No, I'm saying IRA. Okay. Am I? Yeah. Well, I guess it could be. It depends on the the type of 401k. But anyway, go ahead. Basically, IRA or 401k, depending on the rules. If you have a company one, what are the rules and payback? And how long does it take? Can you borrow against it? Most of them you can. And most of them you you can get those funds fairly quickly. We need Michael to help us with this, I think. Yeah. He's coming on later. Yeah. Yep. So so it's an interesting question because, you know, there's the whole... 
do you really want to do that? Are you going to be able to pay yourself back at some point because you won't have that money for investment? So when you look at it from like maybe what an accountant or a tax advisor might say, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you can have a penalty-free withdrawal typically for you, from your IRA because, you know, normally you have to be over 59 and a half to, to uh, not trigger a big penalty for taking yeah. your IRA money out early. But if you do it for a down payment on a home purchase, it, it does come out uh, penalty-free. But, you know, some people might say, but then you won't have that money when you're needing it after your retirement. And I might say, um, I don't agree with that. Do you want to know why? I do want to know why. And I'm curious, uh, I, I'm thinking about this from a, a value or cost of money standpoint, but go ahead. Go ahead. Well, think about if you're taking it out to put it into a house and we know how much houses appreciate. Is Don't you think that money's going to appreciate more as equity in your home than it would in an account getting a half a percent in- interest? How much money are most people earning on their IRA right now, right? It's yeah. Invested, but... Most people aren't, you know, if, especially if you're getting close to retirement age, they're not being very crazy with how their money is not invested. They're, right, not, right. they're not risking it in the market. If you're earning 5%, you're doing really well, right? Or, really you know, well. Again, it, Michael's probably going to say something different. But, but in any event, you know, I think a house is a very good investment, <clears throat> you know, compared to an IRA or a 401k. So, well, you need a place to live too, right? So, so if you were to take all those factors into account, so think about, okay, you're paying rent, okay? So first off, you're taking that money and you're not putting it into your own uh, equity over time, right? You're putting it into your landlord's equity. So that's one calculation you could do there. Let's think about this. What other calculation? So what's the cost of the interest on the mortgage? How much of that interest can you write off on your taxes? So you have to take that into account, right? So that's so can, a good thing. Right, that's a good the way thing. way you said it made it sound like it's a bad thing. No, that's a good thing, right? You can you can write off, uh, you know, some or a portion of, of your interest on your mortgage. Talk to your accountant. Um, there's, again, how much are you going to earn on that money sitting in your IRA? And you're also getting uh, potential price appreciation on your property. And And the reality is over time, Price of homes always go up, right? Now, now, you know, people that bought a house in 2005 or six are going to go, oh, wait, hold on a second. Well, the, the reality is <laughs> we're up over those prices now. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take to get back to that. Right. And I was so excited to talk about this subject. I didn't mention some of the key things. So yes. typically for first-time buyers yep. and typically up to $10,000 that you can take out right? So first-time buyer, there's a lot of ways to classify that. It could be a spouse who hasn't owned a primary home for three years. It could be you. It could be even for a child or a grandchild or to help a parent buy a home. But it's typically a first-time buyer program. So anyway, I thought it was an interesting topic because I've been kind of reading about it this week going, well, as from a real estate perspective, I think that real estate is probably a better investment for a lot of people because you have to live someplace, right? Yep. And you might as well be paying your your own mortgage down versus paying rent Absolutely. and not having any ownership. So Absolutely. So so um well, I'm sorry, did you want did you have anything else on that subject before we no, wrap you it can up? Move on. Okay, got it. So I, I had one thing I wanted to talk about. There's been a lot of talk about um this quote forbearance overhang. People that, that are, haven't been making the payments on their home, 
because they're, you know, been impacted by the uh, pandemic, they lost their job, and they're in a forbearance plan, which basically, if you're a homeowner with, with certain uh, underwriter lenders, you basically just got to raise your hand and say, I want forbearance, which means your, your mortgage payments get put on pause. So there's a lot of people that have been in this now since, you know, March, April, and a lot of people have come out. The thing that I found interesting, so originally it was a huge number. It, it's down quite a bit, but there's still um, 3.2 million people nationwide in these forbearance plans. Um, the thing is, 820,000 of those people have not missed a payment. So they said, yes, I want to do the forbearance plan, but yet they're still making their payments. Sort of like they applied for it as a safety net, yeah. but they yeah. haven't really had to do it. Thank there, goodness. Huh? There's another piece to that that doesn't, there's no statistics on it, so nobody knows. But there's a bunch of people that just said, oh, that sounds good. I'll just put, put a pause on my mortgage payments for a while, even though maybe I could still be making them. And they'll just, you start know, up again. they'll start up again. So, right. so there's a, there's still a lot of uncertainty around that. However, there, there's, there's really nothing that, that looks like there's going to be this huge flood of, uh, properties that are going to get foreclosed and evictions, at least, you know, on, on the mortgage side. Um, it's going to take at least all of next year to shake that out. One thing that is going on, and, and we heard this from uh, that realtor um, that does a lot of uh, foreclosure sales for banks, right? They're in North and South Carolina. Yeah. The and, people we were talking and, about. and the thing that's interesting is that there's been a moratorium on foreclosure processing. So that means anybody, even before the pandemic started, that were, uh, you know, in the for, for foreclosure process where, you know, it already been filed with the court, those all got put on hold. And there's also been a moratorium on, on, no, on no new ones. That actually has driven prices up, if you can believe it, because all those homes have not been coming on the market, right. which means, again, it's, it's, it's affecting our supply. So it's going to be interesting come January when that moratorium comes off, how many new foreclosures come in the market. I mean, if you look at the foreclosures for sale in Albuquerque right now, it's there's yeah. very, very few. When people contact us and say, I want a foreclosure, it's like, well, we don't have a lot of foreclosures. And honestly, the houses that are coming on yeah. for sale as foreclosures aren't really necessarily a better deal, no. deal than a regular home no, seller. No, they're not. And there's there's other challenges with, with purchasing foreclosures, um, which we won't but go we into right now. we do tons of foreclosure we sales, do. so yeah. we can do it. So the other topic I wanted to get to today, Tio, yes. is um, buying, renting, selling second homes. It seems like... Gosh, that's something I know a little tiny bit about. Yeah, right. <laughs> so earlier this year, the National Association of Realtors came out with statistics and said that one in eight home buyers this year would be buying a house as either a second home or an investment property to rent out. Mm -hmm. And that's up from 20% of the people that were buying homes in the year 2000. So, you know, I had to go two thirds to 20, 20%. So that's you know, like three times more that are buying houses right now as a second home or an investment property than in the year 2000. Well, we know, you know, 2000 is 20 years ago now. Different, is different it really? climate. Is it really? I was thinking, what happened to Y2K? That was like yesterday, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it we were like all it, yeah. stocking up and getting generators. Yeah, yeah. Or we weren't, but our friends were. <laughs> we went to their house, member. That's right. We were an angel fire for yeah, Y2K. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... 
it's interesting because the the primary residence and second home rules, um, you know, second home, I think, for lending purposes to be able to get regular financing and not pay investment rates has to be 50 miles from your current primary residence. Um, so if you're buying in a different market and it's 50 miles away, the lending on it is is favorable, right? And if it's close to home, it's not really going to be a second residence. It's going to be an investment property because why would you live in the Northeast Heights and buy another home for primary residence in the Northeast Heights, right? The, the lending rules would say that doesn't make sense. Well, you know, we had this conversation. There's this the new phenomenon. It's not happening here so much, but again, California, some other big markets, very expensive markets where people, let's say they're in the Silicon Valley area, and, you know, it's a million dollars for a little, you know, two-bedroom bungalow, right? Well, they can buy a house up in the mountains or, you know, somewhere in Idaho where Idaho is really booming right now. because Reno's booming, yeah, Tahoe's booming, yeah. all those places not too far from Northern California. Well, it's because the, this phenomenon of co-primary residence where instead of the second home is just the vacation home, it's actually just a secondary primary residence right. since they can work from home. So many people can work from home now. So... You know, they can still keep the condo in wherever, L.A. or San Francisco. Let's just use those for example. We call it a condo, but really, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, in Cal, in San Francisco, the bulk of the, the homes there are condos. Multi, yeah, it's, yeah, it's they're condos. Right. But, but it, my, my point is, so that's a whole phenomenon. This brings in this whole conversation about that new company, Picasso. Right, which is what we were going to talk about. Oh, we're good. Okay, right sorry. See, it. I so didn't even know that. But there we go. I know yeah. you, we walked out of one meeting and came to the radio right, yeah. right yeah. here. So that was the point is Picasso. We we participate with a company called Picasso. It's not spelled like Picasso. It's P-A-C-A-S-O. But Picasso is brand new, and what they're doing is they're helping match people together to partially own houses. So it's different from a timeshare. It's up to four, I think. I, every time I've tried to explain this to people, I go, that's a timeshare. It's like, no, it's not a timeshare. It's fractional ownership. It's co-ownership. You know, it's not that unusual like in yeah. Santa Fe. Yeah. A lot of times we get calls from people wanting to buy that property in Santa Fe. They're all excited. They're online on Zillow back in right. New York City. And it's, it seems too good to be true, and it is. It's a partial ownership. Yeah. Um, so in Santa Fe, it's not that unusual to have a partial ownership of a property. Um, but it's it's a national and international business now where they help match people. So if you want a, a ski home in Telluride, but you can't afford the whole $3 million or whatever, I, don't, I can't imagine what a house and tell you right is right yeah now. it's got to be was a time out. when it was a little more affordable but not right now um but you know they'll help you put together three other typically three so other owners what what, what they do are. yeah it, what, the way it works and it's it just if you want to check it out it's p-a-c-a-s-o.com pecasso but it's pronounced pecasso like the artist but it's spelled p-a-c-a-s-o and the you'll see right now you can get onto the have listings. Most of them right now are um, you know the the kind of usual suspects, second homes, you know Park City, Lake Tahoe, Aspen. Um, they've got let's see what do we got here Hilton Head. Um, so you know it's, it's it's vacation places. It's vacation people where you know people where it's a vacation home. So what they do instead of again doing a timeshare type situation, let's say you you found a house and you want to buy it. Um, you come to them and say, well, I want to buy this million-dollar home, but I only want to have half ownership. They'll actually buy the home, the million-dollar home, 
give you your 50% ownership, and then they'll go out and market the other 50% and find a, a co-owner for you. And they help manage the property. Too. Correct, correct. So they're ongoing, not just the initial matchmaking, but ongoing maintenance and management of, of, correct, of it. Correct, correct. Anyway, it's an interesting business model. I know the guys that are, and it's guys, that are behind this, and they're pretty high-power people in the real... There are women in that group. Well, there, right? there are, but, I'm, you know, the two main guys... Um, yeah. We, Austin we know, and yeah, yeah, Austin and uh, um, but anyway, it's it's an it's an interesting concept, and it just goes back to this whole idea that you know even in the real estate industry, there's continually uh, innovation on on ownership and different ways to do things. Yeah. So second homes, investment properties. We were talking um, with some clients the other day, and. Um, they were suggesting we do a investment seminar here at the office. It's sort of hard time, especially with how many people can gather, but we could do Zoom. But if you're interested in us putting together something like that, let us know um, because we definitely have the resources and the right partners who um, can help people become more educated to invest in real estate. I know for us, back in 2007, Tigo, yep. 8, 2007, 2008, our investments were in the stock market, basically. Only. Only. We didn't own investment properties. We just had the stock market. We had a market. few, but not much. We had our primary residence. I think we maybe had one other property at the time. You think? Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe just our primary residence. But I don't know. Yeah. And and then, you know. Yeah, I remember that place on Edith we had. So anyway, yes. Yes, one acre. Yeah. 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 So uh, it it's for us when March came. And we didn't know what was happening with COVID, right? Yep. We didn't know. And the stock market took a 30% hit. Or more. Yep. You know, we felt so happy that we were not so heavily invested in the market. We have a much more diverse portfolio because we own nine other houses yep. besides our primary residence. And they didn't drop 30% that day or no. that week or whatever, no. right? And and we've been very fortunate that the people that rent properties from us have all been, you know, in a position to be able to pay rent. So, Tracy, I told you I started reading this book just this week. It's called The Path, and it's uh, part of the Tony Robbins group. And I forget the, the his co-author. This book just came out. I mean, it just came out like a couple days, ago. days ago. Yeah, and, and it's... Um, it's just talking about finances, financial strategies. It's mainly talking about, you know, the, the equity markets, stocks and bonds and so on. Um, and but, you know, that that term diversify, 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 it keeps coming up over and over again. And, and you know, we hear it forever. Right. And again, Michael will talk about it. But, you know, the the, the thing we feel. So we know it, we understand it, we the, the real estate world. However, we just feel that, that real estate should be a part of everybody's investment strategy at some level. Even maybe it's Even just your if primary. It's a primary, right. Yeah. And for some folks, it's helping your child, your parents, your relatives right. have home ownership or investment properties, yep. right? Um, we know that there's plenty of folks we've helped over the last 18 years that are actually helping somebody else, and it's awesome to be a part of that. So Yeah, it is. No, yeah. it's, it's um. It's something to consider, and we could talk about it more. But you know, there's a, a thousand books out there on the on the subject for sure, and it can be a little overwhelming, which is the frustrating totally. thing. Totally. And there's lots of ways to invest in real estate, right? It's not all just single family homes. Oh, sure. I mean, there's even on in the the uh, stock stock and bond market, 
you the, can the do REITs. real estate investment yeah. trusts, the REITs, right? So it's a, a group of stocks that are put together in one one stock purchase or one stock ticker, yep. and it, it's a whole slew of uh, properties that are in the housing market, perhaps. The, the thing that I've found is I think the, the, the people that do best with it is they, they get one niche and they just stick in it and they learn. They, they go very deep in, in learning about that niche. So be it single-family homes, multi, multi-family you know, apartments, be it commercial property, be it land investment, land development. There, there's so many different um, avenues that you can take this. A lot of people just invest in uh, real estate contracts, Tracy. Right. That's a whole other piece. And so a real estate contract is a, well, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's basically you're buying a loan and you're, you're earning money on, on that loan so, secured by a piece of real estate. Tigo, we didn't even get to all the stuff I had prepared about different home stocks. And, oh, my gosh. You know, so... Stock market. Why don't, why don't we take an extra few minutes? Uh, Tracy, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, why yeah. don't we take an extra few minutes? I think this is important because I wanted to certainly hear about this. Why don't we take an extra five minutes on the show and let's delve into it? You know, it won't take too long. So okay. I'm just kind of looking at the um, stocks in the you know housing sector. So I looked at like Zillow, which Zillow is just taken off and typically Zillow stock has a huge price swing from like $30 to $50. If you look at it over 30 years, it has huge fluctuations and I'm a personal investor. I love to invest in what I call rolling stocks. So when they change a lot and they go up and down and up and down based on news, it's it's an easy way for me to get in and out of stocks. It's just my strategy. But Zillow has been that way. But Lately, Zillow has shot up. It's it's broken through its all time high, and it's over a hundred now. Um, well, which is which is interesting because we know what their revenue model is. So it's actually kind of surprising that it's doing that well. Um, there's some speculation in there for sure. One year price is up seventy two percent on yeah. Zillow. Yeah. And with the changes they're making, I mean, we're front line on what Zillow is up to, and I think it's a great stock, and it's. Um, you know they've we got a give, great we don't model. Give stock advice, so no, we don't. But it's a great <laughs> model, and it's it's interesting because in 2005 they were like a new company in five yeah. or seven, yeah. 2007, brand new company. Yeah. And look look what they've done. But then the home builders, right? So we've got Dr. Horton, Pulte, two of the bigger ones here in our market. And yeah. if you look at their one year chart, they're like Dr. Horton's up 26 percent. In one no, year. 49%. Oh, 49%. 26 points, 49%. 49. DR Horton and then Pulte is not too far behind, are but they? The spread on it, of course, they had a huge drop in March. Uh-huh. It went down to $25 a stock, and now it's up, what, almost 90, 70, yeah. 80, 80? Boy, if people would have bought... What it could have should is right. I mean, we don't we don't you know, we don't want to do that. And I just look back at Zillow Group. It's up seventy two dollars. Yeah. But it's two hundred and thirty eight percent up for one year. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, very remarkable. Uh, Pulte Group, same, not as significant, up 40 percent for a one year. But, you know, it, it gives you, you know, they're very driven by their numbers, by their sales. So those home builders, you know, we see those sales right now. Dr. Horton's got a. A red hot sale going on. I'm sure there's some sort of October end of year or end of month for their stock that's coming that they need to get those houses sold and and it's um it's interesting. Yeah, so you know the the home builder stocks have been just crazy. 
um, which which is interesting because the thing is, I think I think what's going to happen now is buyer demand is going to stay very strong. The builders are going to keep building, but they're not going to overbuild. They're not going to get in the situation they did in 2005 where the, the market turned and they had all these homes sitting on the market they couldn't get rid of. They're going to they're going to be conservative. They're going to keep their margins up, which is going to keep the home prices up, which is going to keep the stock prices up. I agree. That's my guess. So there we go. Eddie, the parade of homes is still going on Saturday, Sunday. Um, lots of beautiful houses. Tigo and I went last weekend. We couldn't have asked for better weather for last weekend or I this know. weekend. Some amazing, beautiful new homes out there. Just remember, as realtors, we can help you if you're looking for a new construction home. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial direct 448-8888. That's 448-8888. WelcomeHomeABQ.com. That's WelcomeHomeABQ.com. Tigo and Tracy will always help you with your next home. And as always, you can go to the website, WelcomeHomeABQ.com. Tigo and Tracy, thanks so much. As always, uh, what we're going to the fourth quarter. Can't wait for the stats as we get to the first 10 months. We'll likely start taking a peek at that stuff uh, next week. And, uh, folks, get prepared. If you're looking for a mortgage broker as well, call Tigo and Tracy. They'll put you in touch with the right people. And remember that rubber stamp approval that you get with Tigo and Tracy's signature on your offer or representation is always a good thing. Thanks so much. Back after a quick break, we're going to get you qualified next. And that's, going to, of course, going to be with Chris Napier. Before we do that, let's improve that credit. Mike Ramos, Credit Rescue Now. Oh. 